God is good. What a powerful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. Let me tell you what. Jason and I sung that this week in the tomb, in the tomb where Jesus Christ was buried and rose again. How amazing. It was amazing, wasn't it, Jason? We were able to stand right there where he, where he was buried at and rose again and stood in that song and sung what a beautiful name it is. It was beautiful. And so it, you don't know what, how powerful a name it is until you go to Jerusalem and Israel and the Galilee and all these places and you put all the pieces together. It's pretty amazing to see all the pieces come into a line with one another. When you're standing on the Mount of Olives, and I'll show you some pictures at different times. I'm going to show you a few pictures today. I'm going to show you some pictures next week of, of the, the, the Bethlehem Orphanage that uh, we gave money to. We're going to give you, show you that so you know where your money's going. To Bethlehem Orphanage and the Ethiopian uh, Messianic Jew Church. We got some beautiful pictures from there as well and a couple other things. Um, but uh, until you stand on the Mount of Olives where Jesus Christ is going to come back and put one foot and then you're looking over there at the eastern gate that they got, that they got I'll show that to you something I should have showed it, had it today but the eastern gate that they got it bricked all the way up they got it cemented all the way up thinking that's going to keep Jesus out it's just it's so funny to see that you know, I'm like dude you ain't got a chance you ain't got a chance it's so funny and to, and to see, see uh, all the wonderful things and to sit there and be on the Temple Mount right there it was just incredible just to go to all the places um, and uh, to, to ride on the, the Jesus boat um, out there on the Sea of Galilee. And I even went out there one night after supper, and I went out there and swam in the Sea of Galilee. And I was like, dude, this is amazing. To swim where Jesus walked on the water. And I, I took my reefs out there, my flip-flops out there, and went out until I got out deep enough where it was just really rocky. And then, so I brought them back, and they're full of Galilee water. So now everywhere I go, I'm walking on water. So I'm excited. But today I want to talk to you about something that I, I didn't want to talk about. It was, it was something that when I came back from Israel, I wanted to, to do all kind of stuff. I wanted to sh talk about maybe the, the Garden of Gethsemane or something like that. And, and every time I, I wanted to, God just kept leading me in a different direction. And, and I didn't want to do this. And then we, I went to this particular place in, in, in Getty. And uh, God's like, this is what you're going to talk about. And I was like, I, okay. I, and I'm, th I'm thinking, is this your mind, Doug? Is this your will? Is this your emotion? What is going on here? And I just kept seeking God, and I just could not get away from this. So I don't know, I don't know why, but God. So God has me talking about this, and this is a, a message I try to hit on about twice a year anyway. But this is a message that I feel like I was, I, I was at this place, and I'm going to show you some pictures of this place in a few minutes. Um, and I believe that it's just a time that whether you're in this room, you're on video live, or you're going to watch this later, it's going to be a powerful moment in your life. Um, and I've talked about the, I talk about it about twice a year, but I believe today, or the moment that you're watching this, is going to be the day that some people finally get free from this. So it's, the title of it is, Could Have, But You Didn't. Could Have but you didn't. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for all that you've done, all you're going to do. God, I uh, thank you, Father, and I just pray that you give my body strength from that, that long, two-day travel back home, Father, and lack of sleep and deprivation, Father, Lord, but I just know that you're going to give me the strength today that I need, God, to, to, to give the word that you've given me. I lift you up and magnify your holy name. Let freedom happen today. Let people be free of their minds, God, and free, Father, in their spirits to be able to release things in their spirit, God, that is holding them back from getting closer to you and maybe even one day keeping them from heaven. And we give you glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. Praise God. God is so good. And yeah, like right now, I'll be eating supper up in Israel. It's seven hours ahead. So I'm, I was sitting there eating supper, and y'all like, good morning. I was like, oh, you know. And I'm ready to go to bed, you know. It was really kind of crazy watching y'all. It was, but it was fun. But, but when I was 10 years old, there was a, in, when I was, I'm sorry, when I was 10. When I was in the 10th grade, um, I, I was on the school bus, and there was this bully on the school bus named Alberto. And he was a school bully, and, on the bus bully anyway. And he, he was a bully, and he didn't bother me a whole lot. 
But on this one day, he did. My, my, my grandmother just died, my mom's mom, and uh, she died a horrible death. And the, the Alberto was sitting right behind me and heard me say how she died and what was going on. And he made a very, I'm not even going to repeat it because it's just horrible, um, very vile, evil comment about my grandmother. And I weighed about 120 pounds, but before I knew it, somehow I was up over my seat and I was just pounding him, pounding him, pounding him. And the, uh, I remember is the bus driver pulled me up. Off, the bus driver stopped the bus and pulled over and pulled me off of him, and there was just blood pouring out my arm. And um, I uh, went home, and Alberto's mom came to our house, talked to mom, and said, the doc, I just, doc, um, Alberto just had to get like five stitches right here. And the doctor said, if your son would have hit him about a quarter inch over, he would have hit him dead in the center of his temple, and he probably would have died, and your son would have been, had to go to jail for manslaughter in 10th grade. And so I rethought about that a lot of times. Was that really? Yeah, it made me feel great. I was like, what now, sucker? You know? <laughs> Really? You want some more of this? You know? You know, but, but, I, but, I, but I was like, you know, but, I, but minutes since then, I was like, but was that really, did, did I really accomplish anything? Yeah, he left me alone, but did I, help, did I, did I, did I really do, make anything better for him? Did I make him a better person for that? He left me alone. But, but you know, but no, no, I didn't. And I think about it a lot. And a lot of times in our life, we do things, and we think back over them, and we, we think, you know, hey, I, I should have ha handled that better. But many of you today may have had, you may have somebody in your life that, that is a bully to you. And you may have a coworker, You may have a boss. You may have a friend. You may even have a child. You may have a, a parent or maybe even a spouse that maybe kind of rules you. That rules you, that controls you, and that is over you. And whether you realize it or not, they are sitting on the throne of your life. And they are pulling your chain. And they are controlling your every, every thought. Because, you know, people never really, people, a lot of people don't like bosses, and I understand that, because bosses have to do a certain thing, and, they, you know, everybody don't like pastors that consider us, because we, we you know, we have to, have to do certain things different ways, and when we, don't, when we don't do things the way people like it, people don't like it, right? But you may have a boss that you don't like, and, and, and sometimes the dislike is warranted, because of the way they treat you, the way they act. But, that, but when that happens, and you allow that dislike, that unsettlement, to become a bitterness root in your heart, then what happens is it gets down into you, and that boss is not just boss at work anymore. That boss is boss at home. That boss is a boss um, when you're sleeping. That boss is your boss when you're on vacation. And that boss is your boss at work. And that boss is your boss everywhere you go because you can't get it off your mind. They're so controlling to you. You're so frustrated with them. There's so much bitter and anger in your heart everywhere you go in your life that are on your mind. You're thinking about it. You're dealing with it. You know, I had the same situation. I've had about six pastors, so you, you probably, you may, a lot of you may not know anything about my past. But I'm just going to say this, that I, I, had like, I had somebody like that in my life. I had a pastor that, that abused me mentally and emotionally. And um, matter of fact, it got to the place where I had panic attacks and nightmares and sweats, and I would just freak out. Anytime I was called to an office, I would just, like, cry. Before, and I had to clean myself up before I went in there. You know, and, and it got, eventually got to the place where I felt like if I was called back in again, then I would just, I would just crawl in a hole, and I would just have a I really felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I, I said, I, might, I felt like my, my nerves were just showing, and when I walked in the room, I was just going to fall down. They're going to wrap me up, take me away to the, to the crazy house. You know, um, and, I, and, and that happened, and, and I felt that same, that same paranoia that we had here. You know, and, and the thing is, 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 is well, hey, well, what, well, what happened was I didn't, I didn't say anything. I held my head up, and I'm here today because of that experience and because I was able to, to move forward out of that 
And I'm going to show you in a few minutes where three years ago I was finally able to, 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 to get over that situation and deal with the situation in my heart. You know, because the situation is, is that, that we waste far too much emotional energy in allowing others to control us in unhealthy and unholy ways. We allow people to rule over us, not just mentally, not, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. Because we're not guarding our heart. We're not guarding our spirit. We're not guarding ourselves. And the thing is, is that, that we, we, we allow people to do that, and we give them the throne and offer them the throne in our lives. We let them control our minds. We let them control our emotions rather than taking stuff to God and dealing with it the way we should. And integrity is doing the right thing regardless of what other people think. Integrity and character is saying, God, you've got to handle this. Yes, I could have handled it if I wanted to. I may have evidence, I may have, I may have proof, but you know what, God? I'm going to let you handle this. And you give it to God and let God, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 18 if you have your Bible or, or your phones or whatever, you can, or you can look on the stream with us. But David had, you know, David was, was, David was already a, a battlefield warrior, and, you know, he, he defeated Goliath and such, um, and had Goliath's head in his hand at one time. And I want to talk to you today about a moment where Israel was still young, where Israel was still young. And uh, they were God's chosen people. God was their king. Samuel would talk to God. I mean, I mean God would talk to Samuel, and then Samuel would tell people what, what God had said. Okay? But they said, no, all these other nations have kings. We want to be like them. We want, we want a king to, to rule over us. Rather than the king of kings to rule over them, they wanted a king. So God gave them that. Now, a little side point, a little bonus note, a little pro hack. If you want something so bad in your life, some, a lot of times God will just give it to you. You want it so bad. You want something so bad in your life. You just desire it. God would just say, okay, here. You know, a lot of times he says, no, wait, this kind of stuff. But sometimes you just desire it. You want it so much that he allows you to have it just to show you that's not what you needed. And that's what happened here, obviously. But they, they chose Saul after, and they chose Saul, but after Saul repeatedly disobeyed God over and over and over and had another, God um, took another man, a young man, to be the next king. And it was David. And David anointed him, and, David, and God anointed him powerfully. He was very powerfully anointed in his heart, and he became a giant killer that we all know and love. And as a result, David was very popular. He, was, he was very, uh, became a national hero, and he became part of the, the king's court. In 1 Samuel 18 and 5, it says, Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. One of the best things that Saul did was put David as commander. It gave him favor. And people really liked David because he was very likable. He was very friendly. And he was a warrior. He was a fighter. He, and, and he won a lot of wars. And when he went out and fought, man, he dominated. He really did great things. Um, so, so for a little while, there was a lot of great things that this duo did together that was really positive. They worked together. You know, Saul would have all kind of um, spirits come on him, and David would come in and play his harp, and he helped him and, and calmed him down and stuff like that. David went out, and whenever he wanted, uh, Saul sent him out to win a war, he went out there and won that battle. In 1 Samuel chapter 9, I'm sorry, 18, 6 and 9, I'm going to keep going down. When, when the, the victorious Israelite army was returned home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all over town of Israel came to meet King Saul. They danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. This was their song they, they sang. Saul killed his thousands. David killed his ten thousands. Then this made Saul very angry. What's this, he said. They credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him king. 
So from that time on, Saul kept the jealous eye on David. Saul kept a jealous eye on David, the green-eyed monster, the destroyer. Jealousy is a very powerful thing, and jealousy will destroy everything in its path. And you may have people in your life because you were able to connect with people, because you love people, because people loved you, even though you had no intentions of, of any will towards anybody else or taking their position or trying to move up the ladder you know, at your work, wherever you may be at a corporate ladder. They looked at you, and they were jealous of that, and they got upset about that, you know, and, they, and they, they punished you for it. And that's what was happening here. Because one of the primary victims of jealousy is relationships dissolve. Another turn, a major turning point was whenever, whenever those, those ladies came out and started singing. You know, he was like, okay, they're going to come out here. They're going to sing a song to me because I'm, I'm the king. And they were singing, you know, Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And that just hurt his pride. It hurt him. So what do you do if you were Saul? Well, you do what anybody else would do that felt threatened by your position. You do what, what anybody, if you felt like somebody else was, was more liked than you, more cared about than you, more revered than you. And even though David knew that his, his position was not, he was already anointed to be king, but he, but he knew it was not his time yet. He, he knew he was holding his, his, his position, and it was no threat. But what did, what, what did he do? What a lot of people would do. They picked up a spear and threw at him. He took a spear and threw at David and tried his best to kill him. So, um, 1 Samuel uh, 12, 18, 10, and 12. The very next morning, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, but he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp like he did every day, but Saul had a spear in his hand, and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall. He was so mad. He got so jealous of David. He wanted to do anything he could to kill him. Now, you may not have people trying to kill you physically, but they're trying to kill your character. They're trying to kill your emotions. They're trying to kill you mentally. You know, I had a pastor one time that told me, he said, hey, said, I never have fired anybody. I just make them want to quit. And then when that happened to me, I remembered what that was said 18 years before. And I was like, I know what you're doing, right? So maybe you, you've never had a spear thrown at you, but you know what? Maybe you're like, well, I don't throw spears, but maybe you hurl an insult towards somebody. Maybe you're a master marksman at, 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 at with laser, laser sharp perfection of, of making people feeling less than, hitting below the belt, maybe putting somebody in their place, maybe making a smart comment towards them because you're upset at them or you hate them, you're angry. And when they're around, somebody brings their, when they're not around, somebody brings their name up and you make a low blow comment to them. You know, we feel like we are the ones that, that, that are being bullied and being taken advantage of but then what we do is instead of trying to let God handle it and being above that we lower ourselves to that standard and we become the same thing and then we talk about them and hurl, we may not hurl um, knives or, th or, or spears back at them but we hurl insults and critique and negativity and gossip about them but David escaped them twice Saul was then afraid of David for the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul wow for the Lord was with David and turned away from Saul. When you're in leadership and you, and you continue leading a life of deception and, and, and mentally controlling people, so like that, it, God will eventually turn his heart away from you. And we got to be careful with that because us as pastors especially, i got to make sure that I, I keep myself in check at all times because I do not want the Spirit of God to leave me. So from this point on, the green-eyed monster, jealousy, ruined and ruled Saul's life. And the result was his vow to kill David. 
When, when, when David um, killed Goliath, Saul made a few promises. He said, now, whoever kills Goliath, there's going to be a couple things that will happen. First off, you'll be very wealthy. Number two, you'll be able to live in the palace, and you better marry my daughter, and you'll have no taxes the rest of your life. And David killed him. And so Saul said, this is my chance. So he said, I'm going to make good on that promise, but I'm going to have a little caveat with it. 1 Samuel 18, 17. One day Saul said to David, I am ready to give you my older daughter, Miriab. Okay, Michael was his wife, as your wife. First, you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, I'll send him out amongst the Philistines and then kill him, um, let them kill him rather than doing it myself. So you see, he, he was he's trying to be thrifty here. He's already went out and battled and God's hands already been upon his life. He's went out and slayed all these Philistines. He killed Goliath and he thinks he's going to set up this thing so the, this little battle so the Philistines can kill him rather than him killing, um, him having to kill him himself. Jealousy is a deadly sin and Saul's suspicion shackled him in that prison of, of pain in his, in his head. He operated a very tight radius of fear and paranoia and worry. And instead of leading Israel on to bigger and better things, he focused on David. And see, as the pastors, if we're not careful, we can focus on a person or a situation so much we forget about our flock and it dies. We, but because we're so about us, we're not about the flock. And we get so upset about what's bothering us and who's bothering us that, that we don't allow. And you, you you're, you're not, may not a pastor, but you can get so, so involved in somebody else that you lose grip of your own family. You can get so upset and you can be so consumed that when you're at home with your family, you're eating with your family, you're on vacation with your family, you're still thinking about that other person that is trying to control your life if you don't give it to God. So how do we respond to when the king throws spears at you? Well, obviously, you throw it right back, right? Because what does that do? That makes you courageous. That makes you courageous. You stand for what is right. You're boldly standing against what is wrong. You're, you're tough and nobody can push you around. You will, stand for, you will not stand for injustice or unfair treatment. You are defender of the faith. And you know what else that makes you? A madman just like Saul. It makes us feel all these great things, but really it's just a madman like Saul. David didn't throw the spear back. David killed a giant. David killed tens of thousands of, of, of fighters. He could have took out this man that, that was losing his mind. He was crazy. He had these demons on him, and he was crazy. He was running around throwing spears at David and doing it. And everybody, David already had everybody's favor. All he had to do was take it. He's still a good slingshot, right? He killed Goliath. All he had to do was take a slingshot out and take him out, and not one person probably would have been upset about it because they hated King. King um, Saul had a very low approval rating, right? And so, but, but, but David had a great approval rating, so he could have done it. But here's the thing. If he would have took him out, he would have became king because he made himself king. Rather than waiting for God to make him king. And everybody's like, well, you have proof. You had this done. Why don't you do this? And I said, you know what? Because it's not my job. It's God's job. I want to hold my head up with integrity. I want to move forward, and I want to do what God's called me to do, and I don't want to worry about this. God will, will, will deal with whatever needs to be dealt with. And we, you know, and we could not blame him if we did that. The only thing that was standing between David and the crown was this madman standing there. Why not go ahead and take a shortcut? He decided, you know what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And David refused. He took a different path. Because you know what? He was nothing like Saul. And if he retaliated to try to kill him, he was no better than the spirit that was in Saul. Integrity is making the right decision 
always, no matter what the circumstance is. The Bible says that God prospered David four different times in the gospel, in this one chapter. The Hebrew word for prospered is sakal, S-A-K-A-L. We see the word show up in a few places, and it offers us great insight. Proverbs um, 10 and 19 says, When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So it means a person who keeps their mouth shut is a wise person. When you run your mouth all the time, a lot of times that's going to get you in trouble and end up in transgression. A person who prospers knows how to, to, to use discipline and discretion. And when they do open their mouth up, then they know to do it with respect, honor, and discipline. They have a filter. They realize that their words have power. That was David. So don't lie because others lie. Don't gossip because others gossip. Don't cheat because others cheat. Don't be negative because other people are negative. Don't be stupid because other people are stupid. Don't downgrade your integrity to meet someone else's ignorance. You got to be above that. You got to say, you know what? I've got a calling on my life, and I've got to walk this calling out, and I'm not responsible for that person, for him or for her. I'm responsible for me, and I've got to answer before God. I've got to stand before God on how I treated them, no matter how they treated me. But we get this little jealousy in us, or we get this anxiety, and we want to return evil for evil. But God says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Proverbs 21 and 11. When a scoffer is punished, the naive person becomes wise. But when the wise is instructed, Sakal, he receives knowledge. So it's saying that, you know, a, a naive person, when they see somebody else pay the piper, you know, they, they get wise. But a wise person listens to instruction and gets wisdom. A Sakal person is teachable. David was wise and he guarded his lips and kept the teachable spirit. He never tried to take over. He never tried to take the position. He, he always knew his position no matter where he was at. I've always been a, the greatest number two man ever. I was like, you know what? I'm a good number two man. I don't ever care if I'm ever number one. I really didn't. I never, until, all, until, until I finally got, got out of ministry for a little period of time and decided, you know what? God led me to start this church. I was never going to start a church. But then I was never going to be pastor either. I was going to be a youth pastor the rest of my life. And I was okay with that. But you have to be teachable, and you gotta, you got to allow God to teach you and mold you and put you into the position that you need to be in. And you, gotta be, and, and you may be surprised at what, how much God is teaching you right now as you deal with difficult people in your life. Everybody in here has somebody that's difficult in their life that they're dealing with, and how you deal with it, you'll stand before God before it. And the more difficult they are, the more the reward can be for you if you handle it the right way. The only thing that will keep you from being teachable is your ego. E-G-O edging God out whenever, whenever your ego walks in a room God steps aside and says go ahead homeboy you do your thing you do your thing too, and I'm, I'm here when you're done because we walk in a room with our, our ego oh I, I, got, I know what I'm, I'm, I'm powerful I'm holy I'm anointed I got this right here I'm authoritative I know how to handle things God's like okay you, you do your thing I'll just stand here very quietly and when you're ready for me you call upon me and I'll, I'll come back and he's just standing there waiting for you to have your little temper tantrum, throw your little fit, and, and, and humble yourself so he can be exalted. There's a scripture in, um, in, uh, in 1 Samuel. It's about 20 verses. I'm not even going to put it on the screen. I'm gonna, I want to show you some scriptures first. I'm going to read through it because I was here just the other day. And three years ago, I was at this place where I was able to totally and completely let loose of all my unforgiveness and my anxiety and fear. 
It says, after Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, I'm going to show you some pictures here in just a second. After Saul returned from fighting the Philistines, he, he told that he was told that David had gone into the wilderness, wilderness of Engedi. Hold on. Engedi. So Saul chose 300 elite groups from all of Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. So I got a picture of this wild goat. It's called an ibex. Let me show you this little video of this ibex we saw. It's a wild goat. Um, there's only, only two or three of us saw it when it came up. This is an ibex, and it's just a, it's a wild goat. There it is. And he's just up to see there's a, how dry it is there. And watch him. You just see him. Just run, it's beautiful how he just runs off. It's so cool. That's so cool. And so then, then, then we, we, we hiked up a mile to get to the, to, let me show you the, some pictures of this, the tombs, first off, the, where the, whole, the caves where David was, would be hiding from Saul at. Okay, you can see right here and right here, and I believe you have another one, John, a little closer up one. That's me. At, there's, a, there's three waterfalls. That's me at the second waterfall, and you can see it's just beautiful there. Okay, and then we got another one. And see, there's a whole, there's a, that's, that's, a, like a, that's a cave, you know, where, where, like, like where David would have been hiding from Saul. And then the next one. Okay, then this right here is kind of like the, the, the cave that Saul was in whenever he was in there. And I'm going to read the scripture to you in a minute. And then, if, then go show the next one, the video with me, the water, I think. Yeah. See, I'm here. I'm standing right here where, where David would have stood, looking up to that, that, that hole where um, Saul was. And look at this beautiful... Thing. Now show the last picture, John. Let's go show you a little bit more of the landscape, the, 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 the waterfall. The, just the one that's got just a waterfall, not me in it. Yes. Look at this. Look how beautiful this is. This does, this does, does it, Jason. does not do justice on the gorgeousness of it. Look at it. Look at them little tiny waterfalls over here. See, there's a little waterfall. It's just gorgeous. And this is, called, this is called David's Waterfall. It's about, it's about a mile up, hike up a mountain. You've got to go through some caves. You've got to go across some waterfalls. It's pretty treacherous. But me and David and, and Kevin's dad, um, Mr. Johnny, went, went, went up there, and it was just beautiful. And if you just keep playing that, that little video there, if you can keep recording that, John, while I'm, while I'm reading this. After the place where the road passes from some sheepfolds, David went into a cave. I mean, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. Okay. But it had ha as it had happened, David and his men were hiding further back in the cave. Now, here's your opportunity, David's men had whispered to him. Today, the Lord is telling you that I will put your enemy in your, your power and do as you wish. David crept forward to cut off the piece of the hem of Saul's robe. So you're going to have people in your life whenever you have proof, when, you have, when it's proven, when you have situations, you have receipts that, that someone has done you wrong. You're going to have people in your life say, now's the time. you got to go get him. you got to go get her. Now's the time. you got everything you need. You, this is God showing you now's your time. That does not mean you're supposed to act. David said, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. David crept up and cut the Saul hem's gar of his arm garment off, and he had a little, little hem of his garment. It says, but David's conscience began bothering him that he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to the, my Lord and King. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. So David restrained his men and did not kill him, King Saul. 
After Saul left the cave and had gone away, David came out, and he was where I was standing out, shouting it up to, to, to that little cave. The Lord, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked around, David bowed before him, still showing low humility. When he shouted to Saul, what, why do you listen to the people who are trying to harm, um, say that I'm trying to harm you? This very day you can see with your own eyes it isn't true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy in that cave. Some of my men told me to kill you, but I spared you. For I said, I will never harm the king. He is the Lord's anointed one. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It's a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I'm not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you, even though you've been hunting me to kill me down. May the Lord judge between us. Perhaps the Lord will punish you for what you're trying to do to me. But I will never harm you. As that old proverb says, from evil people come evil deeds. But you can be sure that I will never harm you. Who is the king of Israel trying to catch away? Should he spend his time chasing one who is worthless as a dead dog or a single flea? Again, showing humility. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. They may like me, but I'm not against you. May the Lord forever judge which one of us is right and punish the guilty one. He is my advocate. Praise God. Talking about Jesus. And he will rescue me from your power. Hallelujah. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back. Listen to this. Is that really you, my son, David? When he began, then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you could have repaid good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today, for when the Lord put me in, in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. You could have, but you didn't. Who else would let a great enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for your kindness that you have shown me today. And now I realize that you surely are going to be king. And that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. See, you don't have to take matters in your own hand. You put them in the hands of the Almighty. You can put them in your hands or you can put them in God's hands. It's up to you. You can bless those who curse you. You can pray for those who persecute you and despitefully use you. And you can love your enemies. Because we know that, as he just said, God is our advocate. So I don't know what the situation is today. I don't know why this was the first message I got as soon as I came back from Israel. But if there's somebody in this room, I'm sure, and plenty of people online as well. And when I stood there three and a half years ago, I screamed out to that, that, that person that was in my life. And I said, I could have, but I didn't because it wasn't my job, it wasn't my position, and I didn't want it. And when I screamed out, just something happened in me. And I said, no, I will not do that. I will honor God. I will put it in God's hands. The battle's not mine, God. It's yours. And, I, and after about four, four or five years, I was able to release that totally out of my spirit and totally forgive and totally walk down off that mountain. I went back the other day. When I went, went back the other day, I stood there and just felt clean. And you can today. No matter what's going on in your heart today, no matter who has done you wrong and how bad and dirty and ugly they've done you, you can forgive them. You have to forgive them because the Word of God says if you don't forgive them, He will not forgive you. 
And I don't know where you're at today, but somebody needs to forgive somebody. Somebody needs to let it go and say, I'm not going to take it in my hands. Could you? Yes. Do you have a right to in the flesh? Absolutely. But should you? Absolutely not. Because every moment that you allow that person to, to live rent-free in your mind, you are taken away from your family. You're taken away from your friends. You're taken away from your church. You're taken away from your loved ones. You're taken away from yourself. Because you're allowing them to rule and control and be on the throne in your mind. So I don't know who it is. And I preach about this a lot. And every time I preach about it, I told somebody one time, I said, man, I preached about that. I preached, man, I preached, I preached about this not too long ago. And someone told me, he says, you know what? But we need to hear it over and over. As Brother, brother Don, me and Don was talking about this morning. Sometimes you need to hear it over and over. Because what they were telling me was, I haven't done it. You've preached about it about 10 times now, and I still haven't done it. Today's your day to do it. Today's the day to go ahead and grow up and be the adult that you need to be and quit being a, a spiritual child and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow this to happen anymore. I'm being defeated. I'm going to quit being a victim, and I'm going to be a victor. And I'm going to overcome this today. And I'm going to walk in authority. And I'm not going to allow this person or people or place where it might even be a church. It might be a church that hurt you. It might have been a job that hurt you. It might have been a family member that hurt you. It might be a child that has hurt you. It could be anything, an array of things. It could be a spouse that hurt you. But either way, it's time for you to give it up and quit worrying about it in your mind. Quit trying to manipulate it. Quit making the low blows. Quit making the comments. Quit making the little, the little snide remarks about it. Get over it and get freedom in God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's the truth, whether you like it or not, because I'm living it. I'm free today. When I was bound, broken, almost insane. But here's the thing today, you can be free too. Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? Is there anybody in here that would say, Pastor, like I'm not a Christian, I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, and I want to be saved. I want Christ to come in my heart, and I want to be saved. And I want to be forgiven. Does anybody want to come back to God or be free from God? I mean, be free from the enemy, and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay, how many people say, Pastor Doug, you're talking to me? I got some people in my life that I, I've struggled with, whether it's friend, family, churches, or whatever, and I need to forgive them because it's holding me back, and I realize that after today. I see that. I've been trying, and I've been saying I can't do it yet because it's just too much under the bridge, and I didn't want to let go of it. I still don't want to let go, but God's touching my heart right now, and I know that I need to let go of this. How many people in here would be brave enough, man and woman enough, to raise your hand and say, you're talking to me? Amen, amen. Amen, yes, yes, hands all over the place. Amen, amen, amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Father, for the peace of God to come down right now and touch and heal your people. As they begin to pray right now and they place that person, that situation, that job, that place, that church, whatever it is in, in your hands, God, I pray that you free them and let, let, you, let them walk in victory from this day forward. Let today, they, they were not at En Gedi, but they were, they were there virtually through watching this video. I had a live video, Father. They were able to watch, God. And as they watched it, I pray right now, they release that person, situation, people, family in, in, into your care in the name of Jesus as, as David did. That they will no longer, no matter what they did, no matter if they hurt them, if they abused them, if they hit them, if they hurt them, if they spoke to them, whatever they did, stole from them, 
Whatever it is, Father, they've done in their life, let them today and finale forever, God, be over that, move forward, because you are our advocate, and you will help us, and you will bless us, and you will set us free. We thank you for that, God, in the name of Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. Amen and amen. Amen.